Yeah, he's creepy. Everybody always tells me. They're like, that was strange. That's very, very strange. Can you hear me? Okay, I'm on my computer now. So okay, you, know, you sound great. Do I? Okay, good. Does my voice sound okay? Yeah, yeah. If you sound like your more annoying self, so I mean, it's ouch, pretty ouch. basic, yeah. Uh, uh, we're getting off to a rough start. Maybe I shouldn't record <laughs> yet. Maybe I should wait for you to get the insults out. I know it's been a little while since you've seen me, so you I know, if you want to just get that off before we go I professional. Can't. Well, I can't because I can't see your face. So I'm, I'm really just going to be making fun of your words. I want I want the record to show that you asked if we could video chat and I said no. That's stupid. No, 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 no. I said, do I have to get ready to not be a potato? And you said, no, this is an excuse for me not to be a potato. Exactly. I'm like, cool. well, I, I never will. Like, I, I, I started podcast so I don't have to do the YouTube thing anymore. That's like, fair. I don't want people to see me. Like, I'm wearing I'm wearing a pretty sweet you know graphic tea but other than that yeah right. that, that's about it not to shed sure, light yeah. on anything nobody wants to see my pajama pants which are just printed with full glasses of wine on it so just full glasses of wine that i don't think yeah. that represents you very well i think it should be empty glasses of wine yeah you know it's fair and i think it'd be better if they were gin and not wine are you a gin drinker i'm a i'm a fervid gin drinker yes Ugh, oh god i didn't know you were a 90 year old white woman i i didn't know that's <laughs> it's that's fucking the only cheap, people that drink gin. it's cheap and it's easy to mix i'm Every, not I'm you, the you can get anything cheap and easy to mix we're in michigan the land of 99 I mean, whiskey well i spend a lot of my time in london and then you go to london bars and everything's like jacked up like 80 percent you're just like can i just have a gin and lemonade and they're like sure that'd be two pounds i'm like perfect i don't have to pay eight pounds for a drink awesome what is that in real money though not in fake toy <laughs> money what is that like, for it's like americans it's like 350 yeah what? where are you getting a three like you're getting a 350 cocktail that doesn't make any sense spoons weather spoons it's like a chain of uh pubs and it's amazing and it's known for being super cheap so it's not the greatest reputation but if you want a cheap drink you go there and that's where i go because i'm cheap <laughs> well that's a perfect place to make our introductions to the uninitiated <laughs> welcome to persons of no consequence this is the podcast where you get all the stories you won't get from famous people because they're not here this is only for people that have no notoriety and you don't care about it all so with me today i have Charday. Great to be here. <laughs> got a great introduction. What was that pause? You were like, <laughs> you were like, actually, you know what? There's still time for me to hang up. <laughs> you know what? I have my hand on the trigger right now. I'm not trigger. I need my mouse button to just hang up. Well, I figured we could get into all of your amazing accolades throughout the podcast, but I can introduce you as one of my writer friends, one of my wife's oldest friends in the world, one of my newer friends. I've only known you for like a decade now, so. That's yeah, actually that's pretty, pretty yeah. short compared that's to some of the other guests we've had on here. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I think the first couple episodes we had people that I've known for like thirty years. Um, so you're somewhere you're in the not mid range. Thirty, shut the front door. You're not even thirty. Yeah. Listen, listen. My my presence transcends space and time. That's one of the things when I started Can't Be Killed Productions. I was like, what do we go with? Like, oh, the fact that I'm a Highlander. Let's let's get that out of the way very quickly. That I've been here always. Sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay. If that makes you feel better, absolutely go for it. 
<laughs> okay, so where do we want to start? You have a very interesting trajectory when it comes to your career. You have a very interesting trajectory when it comes to your living quarters. You have a very interesting life when it comes to writing. Where do you want to go today? What do you feel like sharing with the audience? I mean, I if we had a live studio audience, I would just open it up to questions because I hate talking about myself. <laughs> well, you came to the thing. wrong podcast, man, because this <laughs> is all about you today. People hear me talk about myself on all of our shows. So today it's all about you. So I want to start with the fact that I met you in Michigan, you know, basically a rural area. And then two years later, I only get text messages from you through Facebook because you just left and went to England for some strange reason. Mm-hmm. The land of tea and Harry Potter. That's all I know about it. I, wh- yeah, that's all there is to how, I, you were You were the cool one out of the friend group. I was like, oh, I can be friends with Chardet. She also writes. And then you were like, peace, I'm going overseas and never coming back. <laughs> Plot twist, I did come back, but not of my own accord. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. The fact that you're now stranded here is, is a completely different story. It is. So, so why England? Uh, can, I, can I describe you as an Angliophile? Is that offensive think, to somebody? No, I don't think it's offensive. It might be offensive to English people, but it's not offensive to me. It, it'd because, be like, I, mean, like, I know some people are like, wear the badge of weeaboo, like proudly. They're like, I love, I love all things Japanese mm-hmm. and anime. And other people are like, how dare you call me that? Like, I just like art. And so when I say Angliophile, I'm like, oh, God, is she going to shoot me with a musket? I don't know what they use for weaponry there. Acid? I think they use acid. Yeah, acid, acid, or knives. Yeah, if I'm going to throw acid or, like, stab you, it won't be because you call me an Angliophile. It'll just be because <laughs> of some other reason. <laughs> the thing that always gets me is I, I watch a lot I watch a lot of, of, of British television and movies, mm-hmm. and whenever they show their gangsters, they just like look like very put together. And like I'm talking like street level like thugs. Like they're wearing like mm-hmm. a nice sweatsuit and it like it all matches the colors. I'm like, who has time mm-hmm. to put this together? And like they have a gang with like a leader, but it has like an official title. Like how <laughs> the crime there is just fascinating to me. It's very it's it's strange things happen when you're not allowed to have guns you know you got to be creative <laughs> in other ways like you don't see anyone i'm serious you don't see like talks don't even have guns you got to be creative in something every time i'm watching a guy Ritchie movie like the twist halfway through is that a person has a gun and in every american movie the gun is before the credits like it already appeared we've exactly. already have four or five guns when yeah when you pull out a gun in england it is a plot twist when you pull out a gun here it's a tuesday you know exactly we don't even have to pull them out it's open carry everyone just has them on their hip we're That's already true. ready to go. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, in England, it's like a hidden thing in like the third act. Like, oh, man, someone was able to get a gun here. Is it that hard to have a gun in England? Oh, yeah. There's no open carry laws. Like, I think the only people who are legally allowed to have guns are people who are in law enforcement. Like, you're just nobody has guns because nobody like over there. They look at us. They're like, why the fuck do you carry guns all the time? And I'm just like, I just fucking don't look at me. I don't. But like. <laughs> We we they say it's to like fight the government, but the government has way bigger guns. So like exactly. our little guns make no difference. They really don't. Like you see these military grade weapons and I'm just like, dude, we're gonna like it doesn't matter. Your little teeny little 
uh, pistol you keep in your bedside table is going to do jack shit against a flamethrower, you know? Like uh, Cops have Star Trek weaponry now. Like, they can take you out with sound waves. They don't need pistols. Like, they don't yeah, need any I was of that just, stuff. Yeah, I was just watching a video the other day about sound waves, and I listened to a ghost frequency, and it really fucked me up. I still Did you shit yourself? That. That's the one that I always get worried about, is like, like the South <laughs> no, Park, I didn't. the brown note. Like, if cops can make me do that, I think I, think I have more things to worry about. Because I don't leave. I don't leave my home. Ever right. since quarantine, I made an mm. appearance for some of the rallies that they were doing in Flint because they were they were peaceful on both sides for a little while. So there was yeah. some of that. But other than that, I just don't leave my home anymore. But oh, now yeah, the cops can just shoot me with sounds like they don't have I don't have to leave. Exactly. They'll just make you shit yourself. I mean, so. it's kind of a thing that happens anyways. The first episode of one of our other podcasts is just me telling stories about when I shit myself. So I think uh, oh, good. I think people are aware. Prima entertainment. <laughs> I don't know. Did I invite you onto like like a highbrow show? Is that what you thought you were getting here? Where you're like, oh, Terry started a podcast network. That's gonna be great. Like, definitely top level content there. Yeah, nothing you do is highbrow, Terry. <laughs> no, it really is. It's okay. People are aware. There's no reason for me to hide it. I don't want to like pull any switcheroos. I don't want to tell people like this is gonna be Oxford level, and they come here and they're like, oh man, I, I was confused. Oxford level. What does that even mean? I don't know. You went to Britain. I, these are all of the references I've I try to, to make. I've been to Oxford one time and it was for like eight hours because I went there on a day trip and I saw the pretty cathedrals and then I left. <laughs> yeah, and you I didn't go to the... school in Oxford is what you're saying. No, I didn't go to school in Oxford. I I mean, I do I wish that I did? My, my dissertation supervisor went to Oxford and he was kind of a weird character so i mean do i want to go to oxford i don't know yeah it's not like it worked out for him he taught at your school so like okay like, ow <laughs> no i'm not saying it was a bad school i'm just saying like, he wasn't teaching at oxford so it wasn't like oh that was the key to the city you know yeah i think he did his undergrad in oxford he did his master's in the states maybe and then he did his phd at ucl with which is the university city college london so <laughs> I don't know why, like, I laugh. I'm like, that might actually be a really impressive school, like City College. But I it think is like, actually, yeah, no, like, it, I, it is very impressive. It's not known for its, uh, like, arts, though. It's very, it's more known for its sciences. And it's oh, like okay. uh, the other, like, brain stuff. What's brain stuff? Psychology? Brain stuff. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go back and retract when I said I wasn't making fun of your school. I'm going back to making fun of it because you just called it brain stuff. Well, yeah, of course I did because that's what it is. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> when you when you're a writer, you don't use actual words like what they mean. You you describe things. You you show don't tell. You describe describe describe. Brain stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh listen like i write comic books i don't even i don't even show people like i let somebody else draw the picture for me rule of writing like you're just like you know what fuck it give it to an illustrator exactly <laughs> <laughs> you should see the ones that i draw myself they're real bad <laughs> i'm like brain stuff it's just like i draw like a picture of like squiggly lines and put a circle around it like that looks like a brain right like that'll do it yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's probably better. I can't draw jack shit. I can draw stick figures and that's about it. Sometimes that's all you need. I had to teach myself how to draw because no one wanted to draw for me. They were like, no, you suck at everything. So I don't want to attach myself to you. So I was like, oh, I guess I got to learn how to do this on my own. And then once I learned and I have okay art, that's when my wife, who is an artist, like mm -hmm. on a professional level, she was like, okay, now I'll work with you, I guess. <laughs> 
only when you put in all of that effort, be like, you know what? You actually seem somewhat serious. I'm going to take pity on you. And just, I mean, that's basically our entire relationship. Like, <laughs> that can yeah, describe oh, my entire marriage. Absolutely. You don't deserve her. <laughs> you don't have to say it. Like, I'm aware. Like, she tells me all the time. Like, I know. That's good. She should. <laughs> so anyways, I met you when you were graduating high school, like like right around there, and you were going to college here in the mm-hmm. States. How did, how did you transition? Where did you start here? Start here, like, in college? Yeah, like no one cares about high school. Yeah, no, fuck. Fuck high school. Um, <laughs> I went to Grand Valley State, which is on the west side of Michigan. Yeah, you were you were my uh my rival because I went to Saginaw Valley. You went there for a year, Terry. <laughs> that counts. That counts. You were my rival okay, for, for a, a little while. Go Pitbulls. I don't remember what our mascot was. Bulldog. I don't know what your. I know what my my mascot was a Laker. So I mean, like that's what's not a really Laker? A like like the basketball player? Like Shaq? No, it's like his name is Louis the Laker. Kobe? He is a human and he's a sailor. Apparently, he dresses. Well, don't call them Lakers. Universe. They're called sailors. You just described it. You said he is a sailor. What's a Laker? I don't, we're in Michigan. We don't have the ocean. We have lakes. So I'm guessing that's where the name came from. He's not a sailor. He's a Laker. I mean, I've sailed on lakes and no one called me a Laker. They weren't like, oh, look at those Lakers out there. Probably because Grand Valley has the trademark now. I don't know. <laughs> it's a big school. Grand Valley doesn't have anything. Come on. <laughs> it does too. It has a I've great been to that campus. <laughs> it's got a great what? It's got a great writing program. It's got a nice campus. You can't just say it's got a great writing program because you graduated from there. That's not- <laughs> Yeah, I can absolutely say that. <laughs> I have uh, all the bias and I can say that on record. That's, it has a great that's like saying program. my online college is a great accounting program because I got a certificate from there. <laughs> they helped me count the numbers so good. Right? There you go. They gave you the certificate. They're a great certificate. Certification? Certification program? <laughs> there is, man, you, great writing program. Not a great reading program. Um, but I didn't go to school program. for speaking, Terry. I went to school for writing. <laughs> you know you how often, know so like, I, I'm a professional writer for a corporate company. I, I don't say their name on here. Um, but like the amount of times I get corrected in meetings because I'll say something like grammatically incorrect like just while speaking and they're like aren't yeah. you the writing guy and i'm like but like my writing's great it's better than yours but i don't have to speak correctly every 30 seconds that, you know? oh my god yeah or like i always get because i have two degrees in writing they're like didn't you did it get a degree in english i'm like first off <laughs> no i didn't second <laughs> off i can't speak i can only write words yeah, they, like, they try to get me on, like, this weird, like, pedantic bullshit, so then what I do, like, after that, whenever, like, once that person's there, I have, like, a list, like, Ryan from The Office, so then I just super pedantic for everything they say, and I just hold up, like, a little, like, sign saying incorrect in all of mm-hmm. our Zoom meetings, just so they know, I'm like, well, I, listen, I know where the commas go, I didn't know I had to use all of them, but now I do, that's not what a semicolon does. Wow, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> well, they, they did it to me. It's their fault. I wasn't like that before. I was a very easygoing guy. But since quarantine has happened, man. You become uh, fierce. You know? <laughs> every really every inch of my beard that grows is just more little corrections I'm going to yell at people about as they write incorrectly. Oh, God. How long is your beard? I can't see you. How long is your beard? <laughs> it's actually, I, I trimmed it recently. I got a whole oh, duck damn. tail going. It's very pointy. 
thought you were going full lumberjack for a second. I was for a little while. And then they made a rule at my company. If you host a meeting with like your underlings or whatever people call them, like your subordinates, <laughs> I call them my lackeys. <laughs> underlings is great. Yeah. You have to be wearing, you know, your, your casual, you're not your casual, your formal wear. And you have to like have your video on. Like normally mm -hmm. we didn't, it was all voice chats and stuff, but since they kind of extended how long we're going to be working from home and they're kind of okay with it now, I have to look very formal and put together when I speak to my subordinates. So, <laughs> so now I, I have a trimmed beard and I wear a tie and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're pretty used to that. Doesn't everybody wear that like in, in England? You know, like you go to get a sub and everyone's just I mean, dressed not the really. <laughs> No, <laughs> like if you go to like central, sure. So if you go to like where all the touristy shit is, where essentially like they're uh, like you go to the bullet building, which is essentially their wall street, like sure, okay. everybody wears suits. But like you go to, I lived, um, I didn't live in central London. I lived in Southwest London, which is off the tube line technically. So it's not part of the underground system. So I had to take like buses to central or like the actual train into like the touristy area. But if you go where I went to school, I'm I'm very much a peasant. <laughs> yes, I live south of the bridge, is what they say, which basically means peasantry. That's like the other side of the tracks. You live south of the bridge. Yeah, I live south of the bridge. I live on the other side of the Thames. So, <laughs> and they, yeah, they, I I saw a lot. I saw more people wearing casual wear, like sweats and like oversized t-shirts, but it, they looked very comfortable. But they like style it with like big chunky jewelry, and like hats. But not like baseball caps, like very stylish beanies. I don't know. It's very like picture. Okay, picture Billie Eilish, like what she okay. wears, like, and that's what people wear in. Right? South Why Wisconsin. do all the gangsters dress like Billie Eilish? That's the that's my I guess my my biggest question because the my my biggest touchstone to to, like, <laughs> to English life, like especially like London, is like Mary Poppins. And then Guy Ritchie. That's like the two levels. A Honestly, lot of BBC thrown in there. You're not wrong. You are not <laughs> wrong. Like there isn't an in-between. Either you go super posh or you go, I don't even know what the correct term is anymore. It used to be like, I don't even know if it's offensive anymore. It's Cockney slang personified is what I picture. Yeah, Cockney like, slang personified. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, sure. That's a good way. To put it, <laughs> but like even like I said, like their gangsters are more put together. Like while they are wearing like a Billie Eilish outfit, it's like it's to the nines, man. It's to the T. Like it's it's like completely mm -hmm. color choreographed and and like their stuff, like like all of their jewelry is like legit jewelry. And if it's not, mm -hmm. it still looks good. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. like I got held up in Flint, and the dude didn't even have shoes, and he didn't want mine. He was like, "Those are sucky too." Like I don't want that shit. <laughs> like that's the kind of crime I see here. But, yeah, they look well. Yeah, with English kind, they re look really put together. But then they start talking, and you can't understand a goddamn word they say. And I think that might just be because you're from Michigan. I, I we speak I, a very strange dialect. So I mean, perhaps, but I can. I feel like I can dissect because I lived there for basically like two and a half years. So I feel like I could properly dissect most of the accents that I was surrounded with. But if you get like a really strong, like almost Cockney ac Cockney esque accent. It was just, I couldn't understand anything that they were saying. I didn't come into contact with it a lot, too, so that's probably why. But <laughs> it's just they look put together on the outside, but on the inside, nope. <laughs> I like how this went from, oh, hey, like, you went to school for writing, too. Just tell me about London. <laughs> just tell me about England <laughs> as a whole. What is this strange island where people speak weird and they have rain? Because that's all they we have know. They have rain. <laughs> 
They have rain, yes. And like they're still and it's weird because like they have rain and they have pretty uh compared to Michigan, they have pretty predictable weather. It's either cloudy, sunny, or rainy. That's it. There's three weathers. <laughs> but yet weather is still like a big topic of conversation for some reason. Like, oh, it's raining today. I'm like, no shit, Judith. Like it's <laughs> England. And like I said that to people because I I mean I come from Michigan. We got four seasons in a week. So like <laughs> five if you count construction. Like that's still that's going true. on here. Oh, that never but, mind. They London also then if you count construction, London has four seasons. London what is construction? Every building's two hundred fucking years old. Like or uh, older than that. it starts at two hundred and then goes further. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we're what are yeah. They constructing? Yeah, well, they they do, um, at least in certain areas where I was, they, you know, uh, modernized the roads, made them a bit wider, which needs to be done because all of the roads in England and Scotland and Ireland, they're all so narrow. Like, there is a reason nobody has, like, Jeeps or trucks because they can't fit on the roads. They're so <laughs> narrow. So they widen the roads. They um, They build condos. That's a big one. They are knocking down buildings to build more housing. Hey, that's our thing. They can't take that. Right? Next thing you know, you're going to have guns there. What the hell? Oh, that, that'll be the day. That'll be the day. I don't think it'll ever happen. If it if it does, that's when the true apocalypse comes is when England has guns. <laughs> I think that already happened. That was what the Revolutionary War, like they had guns then. And then they were like, yeah. we can't do it as well as the Americans. We got to stop with the guns. Yeah, exactly. Like the Americans said, fuck you, guns are our thing now. And the UK is just like, you know what, fair. Yeah, and the rest of the world was like, fine, fuck it. Like, we, <laughs> fine, fuck it. like you can have them. And America's like, that's our thing now. Yeah, <laughs> and I, that's probably, been that because way. other people have guns. That's probably why racism is such a big deal now. We just, we had to get something new. And by something new, I mean something we've done the entire time forever, mm-hmm. apparently. It's, mm-hmm. it's just very, very sad that that's where we live. I'm like, people ask me about America because I talk to, you know, people international. They're like, is it as bad as we see on TV? I was like, oh yeah, 100%. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just oh, yeah. awful. <laughs> it is just the worst. And, so like, is it's that crazy. why you left? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I left, like, I was really nervous to leave at first because, you know, family and friends were here. I didn't really know anybody in England. But the more time I spent there, the more I was just like, yeah, I like England better. (laughs) Not necessarily for politics or anything. I just like it better there just in general. But eh, I mean, I guess it plays a factor, maybe. I Probably subconsciously, but I don't want to say the reason I want to make my life in England is to get away from the gun violence because it's not... 100% 100% It's true. not the pure answer, exactly. But I mean, because it politically, it's actually not that different. Like the climate oh, is a little really different just because we have so many guns, but like everything else, it's yeah. not like they don't have systemic racism in the oh, UK yeah. or something, you know? Like it's not a, it's not a thing that doesn't exist elsewhere. It's not oh, only yeah. in America. <laughs> For sure. And they have Boris Johnson as their prime minister, which is just like Trump, but with political knowledge. So that's fun. <laughs> I was there when he got elected, when Boris Johnson got elected and everybody was like, oh, well, fuck, we're just as bad as the Americans now. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Like I, I left, but I guess it just followed me here. So we could say we, we could blame you for that, right? You brought oh, it absolutely. with you. Sure, I brought Boris Johnson to the UK, absolutely. Because I fled, (laughs) like, a year into Trump's presidency. I'm like, peace, and then I brought him with me, (laughs) essentially, in spirit. 
So back to I guess a half an hour ago when I asked. So you, why <laughs> why did you move? Like I know it was for school, obviously, mm-hmm. and you were like you were a big fan. But what was the big jump? Because like you said, you were nervous. Like what is what is the thought mm-hmm. process when you go? Actually, you know, I'm gonna go to school overseas because everyone does it in movies and everyone yeah. talks about it. But you're the yeah. first person I've ever met that's like, you know what? I'm leaving. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's just well, uh, it, I I'm sure it stemmed from I did my internship in London when I was still in my undergraduate, so I spent two months in London as an intern, which was a great experience, and I just fell in love with the city, you know, as one does because it's a beautiful city and blah 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 blah. No, don't yada yada that. Like, what? so it's a beautiful city. Like, uh, did you know that? I mean, like you said, you were a fan of like BBC and British stuff in oh, general, yeah. but. Yeah, I was an Angliophile for sure. And I think that's what first drew me to at least take the first internship that I had there. And then when I got there, I mean, I was homesick for the first like two weeks. I wanted to go home because it's a I I'm from a small ass town in Podunk, Michigan. And I went (laughs) to London, one of the biggest, like most culturally diverse cities. It was a huge culture shock for me. But then, like, as time went on, I made some really great friends. My roommates that I had during my internship were all from America. We were all go- going through the same thing. And I still oh, wow. talk to them to this day. And I'm actually, I think I have, we're trying to set up, like, a Zoom call next week. So I still, I made lifelong friends there. I love the working environment. It's completely different from the States where you have to, like, get shit done all the time. And when you don't get shit done, you work overtime to get that shit done. But in London, it's actually a lot more relaxed and they have so much culture and history. And I've always been a history buff. So I was really attracted to that. And then I had to leave after two months. And I remember just thinking, well, I'm not leaving forever. (laughs) I'm definitely coming back here. I'm I'm definitely coming back. And I left stuff to do there. And then a couple of years later, I I had like a terrible office job that I absolutely hated doing monotonous work with okay people but shit management and I'm just like you know what screw this I want to get my master's and where else should I go except for London because I got my undergraduate in writing for Michigan which was a great experience I highly recommend but at the same time it wasn't very culturally diverse where I was it was all white people basically and I'm like uh I really don't want to give my right if I do if I further my writing career in like the educational sense I really don't want to send it to the same like group of people over and over again your writing doesn't grow if you do that so part of the reason I wanted to apply for programs in London or in England specifically is one I already knew London so I felt more comfortable and two because I knew if I went to a more like diverse university my writing would just be exponentially better because I would be exposed to more diverse opinions so that was the that was the big reason for me going. Plus, I just wanted to say that I'm going to live in London for the rest <laughs> of my life, which, which I, I'm still planning on doing. But unfortunately, the pandemic happened. So yeah, you put, put a little bit of a of a hitch there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a workaround has to go into play before you can get back there. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, that is a really good reason too. I mean, that's what you described is basically why I moved to the city you know, in the first place. And I say the city, I moved to your hometown, which is weird because it's a small hometown to you, but it was like four times the size of the place I grew up. But sure, I wanted yeah. to move somewhere more diverse and I just moved to a different place with different white people, basically. <laughs> so that I, I mean, you, you know, get, I, you get diversity where you can get it. <laughs> you I mean, get small steps. 
exactly at least it was a little bit better like i it was all camo and confederate flags where i came from so like it was a little bit different moving to your hometown yeah and then yeah. being an Owen flint like that's just a, a big a big jump still yeah but like would you say that your writing did get better like after going over there i know that was the goal but did it work Oh, I think so. I definitely think so. And I had a really great advisor who called me out on my bullshit. He's also white, to be fair. So a lot of my writing <laughs> still isn't it still isn't as culturally diverse. And I wish I would have had like access to probably more at least racially diverse people. But in terms of like people who thought differently than I did, oh yeah, absolutely. Like just I a different experience, say, right? Yeah, exactly. Like different life experiences. And like people willing to call me out on my bullshit, which is very cathartic and very helpful, I think, just in any art form. Like not just, just scary and sad. It oh yeah, one hundred percent it's scary and sad. <laughs> I mean, I've had I mean, I've given my work to so many people at this point, and I have a background in um performance like performance arts where literally your voice is critiqued and like you literally <laughs> can't change that at all so like that gives me a very thick skin to any sort of criticism so I take it with like not necessarily a grain of salt of just like oh no yeah that is total bullshit I'll change it but then you also need to like stand up for yourself be like no this isn't total bullshit I believe in this and then they respect you even more for that I think but you have to know like when that balance is I don't think I've ever seen that. Balance. I think I think I just like try to find people that like my stuff more. <laughs> like every time, every time I get shot down, I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't for you. And then I I find four more people, and one out of those four, I'm like, this was good. And I'm like, that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, we 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 want to be praised. I mean, there I I think like after you give your work to so many people as a writer, as an artist in general, you know who to give your work to, to get praise and you know who to give your work to, to get criticism. Right. And hopefully as a writer, you know, which one you need more in that moment. Cause sometimes maybe you just need to give a project to someone be like, no, okay, I like this. This is where I'm going. And you're like, okay, good. And then like, you get a good feel for it. And then you're like, okay, now I need this to be torn apart and you give it <laughs> to someone else and then it gets torn apart. And then you're like, okay, I'm back to earth. Now I got to make this better. The the big thing for me was learning who likes the medium. Like I, I learned yeah. like eventually after several years of sending you stuff, you're like, you don't like short stories. And you're like, I'm never going to like anything short you send me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. Like that, I wish I would have known that 10 years ago. This is great. So like now I only send you longer shit. But then I've, yeah. I've had, I've handed my stuff to other people and they're like, man, couldn't this just be like 45 page longer? Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know where the balance is for some things. And it's such a battle when it comes to writing getting your stuff seen by anybody other than a friend. Like that's, oh God, that's the yeah. thing. Like, I don't even know what advice to give people. Even as we start to get stuff that is seen by other people, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could tell anybody something good about that process. It's, it's a slog. It's a battle. You're always going mm-hmm. to lose until you win, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The publishing process or just getting your work out there is just terrible <laughs> it's like there's no sugarcoating it and like me who has been in education who has paid a shit ton of money for people to literally like my professors literally say oh no yeah publishing fucking sucks <laughs> like on every level like no matter how far up like this chain you go it always sucks until it doesn't 
So as somebody who like you put yourself in the system, like your your original idea, you're like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to write a novel. I'm going to do the, all the things that people used to do. Now with the mm -hmm. big shift to being like self-publishing is such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's not looked down upon as much as it used to be. Is that mm -hmm. something that you appreciate or does that scare you because you put all your work into the original system? It's it's hit or miss because I think self-publishing is, is a, it, it's still growing. I think as sure. like, I don't want to call it like a niche genre or anything like that because it's, it's so readily available. But I just think that if you want to be a self-published author, you need to be a specific type of writer. If you want to be a traditionally published author, you need to be a specific kind of writer. I know me personally, I could never self-publish because I am a very bad self-editor. Like I'll self-edit myself until I hate something. Yeah, until you have and nothing left, right? Until exactly, until I have nothing left. Like I, I thrive much more collaborating with people and me being the main writer, but like having a good editor, having good workshop group, having good like communication with other people to make a project work better. So, I don't know if that's a result of me going through the system or not. It might be. I might be conditioned to say right. what I'm <laughs> saying. But like I know personally and I firmly believe that a work can only get better by having its eyes set by other people, like having other people look at it. And what a lot of I see what a lot of self-published authors are doing is just writing something, sending it to an editor and then publishing it. Yeah, and, and they're, they're sending it to an editor for like grammar. It's not even an editor yeah. for like, Yeah, that's story. not even an editor. That's a proof. Yeah, they send it to a proofreader. Proof exactly. <laughs> I did some freelance work. I acted as somebody's proofreader. I'm like, hey, if you want me to edit this, let me know. And what if I edit it, I mean like look at the story, look at the characters, like give you actual like structural advice. But they didn't want that. They just like, no, just give me grammar issues first because it was cheaper. I charged them less <laughs> for that. <laughs> because it's it's not as much work but yeah they just like they send it to a proofreader and then off to the press and i'm just like that's not but it could be so much better like if you just do these other things and like uh i don't think that ever has bothered me until it sold really well like i've seen some stuff that like it's just like it's just yeah. public and they found an audience for it and like while like i'm proud of them for like writing something and getting it you know seen i'm also sure. like angry i'm like can't you just like ah. Like, just try harder, please. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. People who just, like, it just comes so easily to them or they got their break really early in life. Like, I'm <laughs> terrible at comparing myself to especially young women writers who write in the genre that I kind of write in. I'm still, like, experimenting on what exactly, like, my main audience is. But, like, I I heard of, like, authors who were getting book deals at, like, 23, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be that person. And I'm, like, almost 27 now, and I'm like, fuck that. Like, right. I'm not ready. <laughs> like, my, also, my people don't, ready. like, they don't get book deals anymore. That's that's another thing, too. Like, I got to do a workshop recently with a couple people that are published, and they're like, there's no, there's no way you can do what I did because it doesn't exist anymore. The bubble burst mm -hmm. on books 20 years ago. So, like, good luck, basically, <laughs> was what the workshop amounted to. Okay, I totally disagree with that first off i do not think it's a dying industry it's just very competitive is what it is it's no it's more like the bubble burst on like how everybody gets a book deal you know oh no it, it's, it's no, not so much that people not. like more people buy books than ever really it's mm -hmm. just that like now not everyone it's a sweet you know six figure book deal we're oh, gonna publish no, your yeah. next 10 works now that almost never happens even the big people don't get that yeah yeah, you get like maybe a one to three book deal and then you have to keep working at it to stay at your publisher. Like it's a much more like 
high stakes process, I think, because it's so saturated now, because I don't, I really couldn't pinpoint a reason that wasn't the focus of my thesis or anything. I know publishing <laughs> students who did like look into that. And that is not what I did my research on at all, because it just gives me hives thinking about it. But that's my, you know, probable future that I'm like looking into. And I'm like, I'm just going to stop writing books and write a screenplay now just to feel better about myself, which is just, I don't know if that's better or worse. But. Sometimes it is good to just write something for yourself. You're like, I probably won't show this to somebody, but I, yeah. I, I need to get something out on paper. But like I switched over, like I was trying to get through the same system that you were. And I found a little bit more success in some self-publishing, but the smaller outlets, they were like, yeah, we'll take 500 words, you know, yeah. like give us, give us flash fiction or whatever. And that's where mm -hmm. I kind of started to focus. And then moving into the comics industry, it was amazing because self-publishing and actual published work are almost nearly on the same level. And yeah. the amount of people that were willing to look at the stuff, like people think it's really hard and it is competitive, but the amount of real publishers and editors that were like, yeah, send me what you got. Like, is it finished? Like, yeah, I'd love to put it out. I'd love cool. to take a look at yeah, it. That's awesome. It's so weird compared to like writing a novel or a short story where like I'm fighting tooth and nail to get it put out for free. And then you go to comic books and they're like, oh, you have something finished? Like, we'll just sell it for you. It's fine. Like, we don't even need to look at it. Like, you, you, you tried. It's such a weird job. I recommend anybody who's trying to get into writing, just write a comic book and have somebody draw it or you draw it yourself, even if you just do stick figures, because people will fucking read it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, my stuff sucks. I'll admit that. Like, I'm a, I'm a horrible critic. I'm even worse than you. Like, I need 400 people that used to hate all my stuff to say it's fine yeah, before I yeah, publish sure. it. Mm -hmm. So, like, it, it is an interesting experience. Have you thought about ever, I guess, self-publishing, like, going the route, like, just, I want to get something in front of people's eyes. Have you ever been that, I guess, I don't know, desperate for for the attention? I mean, yes and no, because, I mean, I my writing roots, I guess you could say, I started out as a fan fiction writer, so, like, my work was see, seen by, like, hundreds of people at some point through a pseudonym. <laughs> so like that kind of interaction I've never I've never been able to match that high since I was 17 <laughs> because like I would get like comments like every couple of days just like praising my work and I'm just like oh I know that you're just praising me because I write for your ship but I mean I'll take it <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> it feels good right it feels amazing oh yeah like the praise of like good reviews and like for especially from people you don't know I think that's the biggest high because it's amazing to get praise from people you do know, especially from people you do know who are tough critics. Like that's really great. But there's just something about getting praise from someone that you like has no idea what you look like, no idea what you sound like, no idea who you are as a person. They just like what you put out like as an art form. And you're just like, damn, that's great. And that's probably what like forced me to like, not be an English teacher like I wanted to be when I was younger. I'm like, no, I'm going to be a writer now. <laughs> Which is just look how great. If I was an English teacher, at least I'd have a study job. But now, nah. It, it is very interesting that you say that because it was the same vote for me. I remember looking down on people who, and like I, I used to give you crap, you know, and I, I apologize for it. I know we've talked <laughs> about it before, but like your fan fiction was really good. Number one, I like I enjoyed it, but also just like I was so mad because like you were playing with toys that I thought I wasn't allowed to play with basically because they weren't mine. And then I okay. saw like the cool stuff you would do with it, and I'm like, why can't I play it? Like, fuck them. Like, I'm not selling it. Like, why can't I do that? And then I started writing in other people's worlds. I'm like, this is awesome. And then you start to get some recognition. You're like, oh, 
what if I what if I put it in my own toy here? Do you like that one? And they're like, yeah, that one's really cool. I'm like, oh god, this is good. This this is amazing. This is, great. This yeah. is what drugs feel like. I think I need to. Yeah, uh, right. I need more it's of like, this. Yeah. You need more of the the heroin that is uh, <laughs> brain of strangers giving you praise for shit. Yeah, because I think like my niche genre in fan fiction was like I stayed really close to the plot of the book series I wrote for, right. and then when I started really like going off book and writing my own plots and writing like my own universes, people liked that so much more. And I'm like, oh man, this is this is not good. This is I want to keep doing this. <laughs> It's it's hard not to feel like uh, I I don't know what the like word other than this because this isn't the correct word necessarily but like a narcissism like it starts to feed that like oh maybe I have the gift you know like maybe I have that ability yeah. to tell people stories that they want to hear and it's such a weird line because people think you're full of yourself when you're any sort of content oh, creator like sure. what makes you so special but they don't realize that like we don't think that like other people yeah. have to tell us. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Like people have to feed our egos before we have any egos at all. And then when we right. have an ego, we feel bad about having an ego. You're like, oh wait, no, never mind. Like that was a good five seconds. I'm not. I'm trash, actually. Like I, I wish I had the confidence to write. Like because I, I write myself into a lot of stories, but it's always like to shit on myself. Like people would never mm -hmm. know that it's my character. It's never like it's never yeah. obvious that it's my avatar because it gets like, oh, that person was shot in the head or something. Like it's always like the worst. <laughs> outcome possible but it's because i'm like i feel bad that i want other people to read this so i have to like shit on myself to be able to put it out oh yeah for sure did you, you, did you ever do that with any of your fiction are you ever just like yeah and then <laughs> and Charday shit her pants like no probably because like i've been it's been drilled into my head that you do not write about yourself unless you write nonfiction. <laughs> like do not put yourself in fiction especially if it's the main character because people will oh, be never no, I, I don't think I could do that. If it was like a main character, I'd think I would cry like too much. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I mean, we're all guilty of doing it, I think, in early fictions, like at least like seeing through the eyes of characters, because that's how you like see them as actual people. And that's how you start to you base characters off of real life people, which is fine to start out with. But after a while, like you can't base a character off that one teacher you had in middle school. Like, no, I, I think it was a, a big like jump for me when I learned you can take just an aspect of a person. Yes, like, and that like, yeah. that's enough to grow a new character. It's like, like trimming a tree, like you take the leaf and now like that plants a seed for a whole different mm -hmm. thing. There might be some DNA of that thing in there but it grows into something completely different. Like I know, like I always try to find a touchstone for a main character for something I can relate to. Yeah. Like something that I would understand so I can go through, but then eventually if you do too much of that stuff, it's just not fun. Cause you already know how that story goes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, you have to put a little bit of yourself in your characters. Like that much is true or else you're not going to relate to them as their creator, I guess. <laughs> and you have to I use the word god have, when I write like I'm the I mean, god of that world I mean I usually do too but I'm also a dm and I use that word <laughs> <laughs> when I say I'm your god I actually do say that on like a weekly basis oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. you send them a gif of just you and like with the flames behind you twiddling your fingers dance for me puppets oh absolutely yeah absolutely every <laughs> Thursday <laughs> But like that, when you create like a character, you have to like put a little bit of yourself or else you're not going to relate to that person. And then hopefully that little aspect of yourself is so minuscule that the character grows beyond that. But I've seen so many works and I'm not just saying like in general, like people who send me stuff, I mean, like works from my master's program where it was such a self insert. And I'm like, 
my dude. <laughs> like <laughs> how this I hit no. Why this is like writing 101. Why are you doing like the Bella Swan? Like this is not supposed to be like a self-insert <laughs> romance story. Because the thing is though, like we say it in like a, a derogatory way, but like if you look those that's the biggest franchise in the world, you know? Like that was bigger mm. than Star Wars for several years. Yeah, and that's what pisses me off even more. <laughs> it's it's hard not to get angry about stuff like that. And what I oh, the man. only way I could get past it is I had to stop talking shit and start putting out my own stuff, even though it wasn't that's good. Yeah. And like you've seen some, you've seen a lot of my work, and you're like, this isn't good. And I'm like, I know, but like somebody bought it. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like I had like <laughs> I sent it to three other people. Like I took your notes and made it as good as possible. And then someone was like, it's fine. Like we'll put it in. So I'm like, mm -hmm. all right. Like I try not to write that again, but like. Yeah. When, like because the world has opened up so much like there's so many different avenues to get writing out there it's mm -hmm. the bar definitely has been lowered in a way of like how good it needs to be but it's been hired for like getting people to see it because there's so much shit yeah absolutely and like especially like traditional like if you want a big audience like if you want to get published in like the new yorker or like right. some mainstream magazine or some mainstream website like those golden gates are very much locked for sure. Yeah, like completely. <laughs> <But if> like <laughs> it's not even a, you don't even have a chance to be seen by that. I know, like I talked to one legitimate editor within the last month, and he was really, really nice. Him and his wife own a company, but like this was they they edit for another one, and they were really cool. They're like, listen, no one is gonna look at your shit. And I was like, Oh, is it horrible? They're like, No, it's fine, but like no one's gonna look at it. That's just not how it works anymore. So they sent me mm -hmm. three other outlets. They're like, these are small ones, they're gonna pay you pennies, but people will see your shit. Because unless you're published in like 14 of those, none of the bigger places are gonna see you. There's just no yeah. way. There's no unsolicited you can't send somebody a manuscript. It's not 1999 anymore, you know? Even no, if you wrote a yeah. screenplay, like, you're not going to run into a producer. It's just not how it works. No, you. there are, like, there are steps you need to take. Like, the first step that you need to take, you need to get an agent. And getting a literary agent is also very difficult. Like, I know somebody I went to master my master's program with who I have, she's a great writer. Like, she, she writes, she's a very YA writer. I think even more so than I do. Like yeah. she kind of fits into that genre more so than I do, which is great because it's a lucrative business. But like I had problems with her writing, but she's still like decent enough. And she just got an agent. I'm like, well, if she can get an agent, <laughs> I can get an agent. <laughs> but I don't have a finished manuscript yet because like my man, the most recent manuscript I've worked on was my dissertation. And I worked on that piece of crap for like two and a <laughs> half years. And I'm like, I don't want to look at this piece of crap anymore. So I've been taking a break from it. So I have nothing finished to show any agents who would look at the kind of stuff that I want to put out there because I can't put out short stories. I can, I got one poem published recently and I'm just like, I don't even know how that happened. So. <laughs> Cause it was a good poem, but like, that's, that's, that's for me to say, not for you to say. But, <laughs> but like, I know I felt bad Cause like, I always, I always wanted to write novels and I, I have written novels. They're not published obviously, but like, yeah. I remembered the first time I sent you something, you're like, this is good. Why don't you make this bigger? I'm like, cause no one wants it. Like I had to make it smaller so people would read it. And, and I'm like, <laughs> you were so nice. You were like, I mean, no, I want to read more of this. And I was like, that's the best thing I could hear that is completely yeah. useless to me right now Sharday. god damn it <laughs> i mean i think that the and i've said this before to many of my my writer buds just in general in every sphere is just i think the best piece of feedback you can get from anyone whether it's constituted as good or bad at the moment is always like more please like i want right. to read more and that's what you want people to think and that's when you know you're going on the right path so when i say that i mean it 
Oh, I know it was like awesome. It. it made me feel great. Did it help me that week? No. <laughs> but I think that's like the hardest part is like you're you're a writer. Like I hate when people are like, oh, I'm an aspiring. Like shut the fuck up. Like you're a writer. You write. But it's mm. it's I wouldn't say impossible. It's very difficult to make a living as a writer. Absolutely. So like it's hard not to get discouraged because you can't pay your bills that way. But there's so many other ways. Like you know you're in corporate. Like there's so many other ways you can make money as a writer. Like I said, like I work for a corporate company and I get to write every day. Like it's not fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fictional at all. Like I'm not even allowed to use like superlatives. Like <laughs> like the lawyers call me. They're like you can't say it's great. I'm like well I mean it is. They're like but legally we can't say great. Uh, <laughs> Actually, you can't say good. We, we'd be okay with fine. If you want to say fine, you could do that. But then marketing yells at you. They're like, it's better than fine. I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, there's only so much I can do here. You just fucking do it. What am I here for? <laughs> that, I mean, that's kind of, it's. I have an interesting job. That, that's a lot of what it comes down to. I'm like, well, I'll just let the lawyers write it. And then they'll give me credit. And I collect my paycheck. And I go home and cry. Like, that's a... Uh, that's that's Beautiful. the life of a writer, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you sell out, you have a day job. I think most writers have day jobs and I have to keep reminding myself of that because <laughs> I feel it's, like unless you are like Stephen King or <laughs> J.K. Rowling or Cassandra Clare or like a big name writer who like makes their living off of millions of copies of books, which, you know, is the dream, but like it's going to take a while to get there if at all. So it's just, you you have to slug through it. Like you have to have a day job in order to support yourself. So you can write and like have the basics. Like I need food. If you have kids, you got to take care of the kids. If you have like this. That was my big mistake, man. I had two of those fuckers and uh, man, every day, you know. Downer of a writing career. Don't have kids. (laughs) But I mean, like the the dream of like like what happened to Stephen King, you know, like one day his manuscript sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and now he's set. You know, like that just doesn't that doesn't happen anymore. That does like, not happen can, anymore. You can get a deal, and you can still go to work on Monday. Like that's just how it happens. Um, mm-hmm. But also, like there there's a million avenues, and that's why I always try to remind myself, like it's okay, it's okay to have one thing published for twenty dollars and one thing published for a hundred. Like that still counts. You're still making your way, you know? Yeah. So I guess like with your, with your background, so you, you've done all of the hard stuff. You've gone to school, you have a master's degree, which you're a master of something like, is that freaking amazing? I think it's pretty cool sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not as cool as doctor, but you know, we'll get there. <laughs> I mean, you can, like, if you got your doctorate from, from like, a British school, I think. <laughs> I know you're a Doctor Who fan, but, like, that's all I would picture. I don't think I would ever be able to talk to you in, like, a normal conversation. It's hard enough that's, that you have just an advanced degree, but. That's the dream. I would love to be called doctor one day, just just in general. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a doctor of medicine, a doctor of psychology, a doctor of English. Like, just being a doctor of anything, I think, is pretty great. <laughs> It's an extreme level. So I guess like my, my question being, so you went through the whole process, you started out cool and writing fan fiction, and now you have this crazy degree. What does that mean for your writing career? What What is the trajectory that you want? Obviously the pie in the sky, you know, JK Rowling style, you write, you know, the biggest book ever and yeah. they make movies about it and all that stuff. But really what's the route that you're trying to go? Are you going to revisit that manuscript? I'll definitely revisit the manuscript for sure, because I got distinction on it. So I know it's 
pretty decent if my uh, advisor, who was very, very hard on me for most of my degree, gave me a distinction. I know I did something right to impress him. So I'm for like, the okay, Americans, what's crap. a distinction? I don't. I, I. I mean, I understand what the word distinction means, but what does that mean for your dissertation? It's basically, it's the equivalent of graduating with a 4.0. Okay. So you. Um, graduating with distinction there there are different i mean it's a very english thing if i know that's what you said i was like have. you got a what <laughs> yeah and like even with like their grading system like you graduate with first class honors second class honors or like you just get a pass like they have a class system that's how they grade things they don't have you can get a's and b's in classes but when you get a degree you get it as a first class degree a second class degree depending on your grade Oh, that. so you don't, they, like, us, you're just like, you did it, you got the paper, you're like, it's fine. But there's like, listen, you got the paper, but you sucked. Yeah, yeah, and they actually, I think they look at it more, because I see on buildings, especially on schools for some reason, mm -hmm. uh, so I lived in an area with a lot of uh, primary schools, elementary schools, and, like, the head of the school, they would list their bachelor's degree, like, their bachelor's with honors in education. They would have that, like, this school is run by somebody who got an honors degree in education. Oh, wow. So I'm just like, oh, they take it a lot more seriously <laughs> than <laughs> the state does, even at, a even at a bachelor's level. So uh, graduating at a certain class level is essentially, like, their equivalent of GPA. They still have GPA, and they still have, like, A's and B's and C's but they grade completely differently. So I got, I graduated with a 73%, which is very good for England because they grade on a scale of zero to a hundred, a hundred being like perfect, okay, like nothing wrong with it and zero being a piece of crap. So like <laughs> the closer you are to a hundred, the better, but like they will, anything that's above a 70, they're just like, this is God tier. <laughs> So what you're saying like, oh. is you're God tier is what I'm Apparently, catching. That's the, that's I the whiff that I got. I mean, apparently, my, <laughs> my my fucking advisor thought so. And apparently, I found out actually a couple months ago, I got a random email. So I don't have access to my student email account anymore because they shut that shit down after six months. Yeah, you got to have that service page, you know? Yeah. And they don't want me to get any of those discount codes anymore. <laughs> and I got this random email saying, hey, uh, we were trying to get in contact with you. You won an award. And I'm like, excuse me? Because I didn't attend my graduation because... At the time, I couldn't afford to go to my own graduation because <laughs> they wanted me to pay like a hundred quid, which is just like a hundred thirty dollars oh. to go to my own graduation. I'm just like, like I can't. Like you had that. to buy a ticket. They, you didn't have to buy tickets, but you had to rent your um your cap and gown, and oh, that God. was the fee that you had to rent that, and you had to like reserve your own seat. But you got two free tickets for like family members, and my family wasn't coming to England <laughs> at that point. <laughs> They so did you attend the before. audience? Did you take those two tickets and just go sit in the corner? No, I just didn't go. <laughs> oh, I just man. didn't show up. And so apparently I won some sort of like uh, award for the best dissertation in my department. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and I found this out like two months ago and I technically graduated in January and they're just like, yeah, you won like 50 pounds like prize. Give us your bank details. I'm like, I won 50 pounds for graduating. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? So that so, was weird. I guess my bigger question then. So like if you if you would revisit it, you know, you got this, the, all these accolades for it. Why haven't you submitted that somewhere? Well, the thing is, like, I'm trying to go the the traditional avenue. So mm -hmm. usually with um 
the route that I'm taking, you have to get a literary agent first and they'll mm-hmm. act as your marketer. They'll act as your voice to, they'll find you an editor. They'll find you a publishing house. Like they will be your, your cheerleader essentially, because a lot, I think at least in my case, I can't cheerlead my own work a lot of the time. Like, yeah, I think this is pretty decent, but like, no, you need to like market yourself, which is why, again, I couldn't do self-publishing because you have to do all that shit yourself. You have to mark, unless you have a shit ton of money to hire a marketing team, which a lot right. of people don't. So, so like, how come you, I, have you have you been sending it to literary agents then? A lot of literary agents require finished manuscripts. So they okay. will um they will require you to send like the first couple of chapters and stuff, but they want you to send the first couple of chapters of a finished manuscript. Would you say it's not finished though? I oh, mean you no, got you got a distinction. It's well, it's not finished. It's only like it's half of the book. So how my dissertation went was uh, I went through a crisis <laughs> when I was <laughs> my dissertation, as I, I feel most grad students do, no matter what your discipline. That's, that's what they should call a dissertation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just going through a crisis, especially uh, since I had changed the trajectory of my project so many times. I just felt like my supervisor hated it. And then he gave me a really good idea of how to break up my dissertation so that essentially it was supposed to be the equivalent of 50,000 words, okay. which is um, usually about half of the book, which uh, in my genre, which is fantasy, which, you know, uh, like mm-hmm. any sci-fi fantasy book usually is about 100,000 words, give or take. So it was supposed to be about half of the book, but like I wasn't feeling comfortable with the plot that I had or like I didn't really know what to do with it. The world building wasn't that great. And then my supervisor gave me a really good idea to break up. So write maybe 25,000 words or 30,000 words of the book. And then he gave me the idea to write the world building, like my process of world building and like writing essays about the world and writing. And then I got the idea to do like in world documents. So I wrote like a bunch of, I wrote like a a religious pamphlet for that you would find somewhere like very video game style, like a pamphlet you would find like walking around on the street or an essay you would find in a book about how the magic system worked. Right. And I did that. So it was like two thirds of a uh, like traditional novel format, but it was also one third kind of experiment. I called it experimental fiction. Yeah, very Brandon Sanderson or comic booky. Those, those are yeah, two, like, and that's very... the, yeah. And then I also had to do a um, how long was that essay? Like a five thousand word critical essay, and I essentially just spent five thousand words talking about how to build a world. And I've talked about Brandon Sanderson, Patrick Rothfuss. I talked about a bunch of different fantasy authors that essentially did what I did, right. but in smaller contexts. And I just made it sound very good. <laughs> so I have like. <laughs> I wrote one act of a book and then I wrote a bunch of world building documents that are essentially essays in itself. And then I wrote a critical essay. So I still have a, a good two thirds of a book to still write. I gotcha. Speaking. See, that was, that was the part I didn't understand that, that it was that, uh, that last two thirds. So yeah, you're on this sojourn, you know, you're, you're on your journey to do something a little bit different to take your mind off that. When do you think you're going to return to it? Hopefully soon. I want to say that, you know, a year mark is probably too long to take away from it. So hopefully within the next couple of months, once I get footing, I think Mm -hmm. you need to be in a good headspace, I think, to return to a project, which kind of sounds like a cop out. But I do think it is somewhat true. But in the meantime, I have been working on another project on and off when I have the motivation to do so. 
Well, I mean, it's hard, you know, you were kind of, it's funny, like, you know, you're from Michigan, you're back here, but like, you know, you made England your home and, you know, you were kind of forced back here with COVID. So it's not exactly like you're like, oh, this is the perfect time to write my manuscript. Like people think that, you you know, you have some free time, you know, being at home in quarantine, but also it's like, you don't feel great. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's, it totally sucks. And it's it's such a first world problem too. And I'm very much aware of that. Like I'm very lucky. None of my immediate family has been sick from this, anything like I haven't been sick, but I've been quarantined in the same place for like months right (laughs) so in a place that I don't want to be mentally which kind of sucks but yeah it's very hard to get in in the mind space to really like work on a project when you're not in a good space which again to people who aren't like in that creative headspace sounds like total bullshit and sounds like (laughs) an excuse and it very well might be but I'm trying to think that it's not (laughs) but it's not mutually exclusive it can be an excuse but also legitimate you know there there are times you know when I have to describe to a lot, I have a lot of creative partners. I'm beholden, you know, you start a company, you're beholden to a lot of people, you know? Um, But like, I've had people go like, Oh, do you have writer's block? I'm like, yeah, still got to write today because like I have an output. I have to hit that deadline. And sometimes it helps me. Sometimes it kills me Mm -hmm. because I like, I I set myself up to fail a little bit because you don't want to write every day. It's you, you force yourself to sometimes, Mm -hmm. but some like, it's not your best work all the time. It's impossible to have your best work every single day when you don't feel like writing. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, not to like give you crap, like how come you haven't sold your book yet or anything like that? It's still wonderful that you did that. It's still wonderful that you got all of those accolades for it. I think it was worth it. I didn't read it in its final form, but I read it in one of its original forms and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you got rid of some of the stuff I liked, but <laughs> um, I remember one of the times just to, to give some people some background. I remember you you came to me with the original form of it. And then the next time I saw you, you go, I got rid of almost all of it. I kept like four or five pages of it. And to put it in context, you had written some 200, 300 pages originally. Does that sound right? Which project are you talking about? I think this was your first book that you had. Oh, yeah. My first book has nothing to do with my dissertation. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that's funny. But like still, like I think that that says even more about it. You you know, you went that far away from it. But I remember Mm -hmm. saying that like I liked it, but there were some things I didn't like later on. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, don't worry. That's all gone. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, I, like when like when we talk about killing your darlings you're like i wrote this huge manuscript i wrote this tome of a story and you're like and i kept 12 pages of it yep <laughs> do you find that that's a good like uh i guess sword to, to wield that you're willing to you know what like i'm gonna kill all of this i think yeah i think it's definitely i wouldn't say a talent but it has to be a instinct that you have because every writer knows and it's a very cliche thing whether you go to writing school or whether you are just a writer who that is your career and that is your stake like you always hear the phrase kill your darlings and there is a point where it's just like you get this guttural instinct you just like maybe you even know when you're writing it like this isn't very good but maybe it'll be good to somebody else and then they say it's not good you're like but I wanted it to be good (laughs) but it wasn't it just straight up wasn't you're like you know what fuck it just kill it slash it but then there are other things that you would die on this hill for this thing and one of the big things with my dissertation was I had a I had technically two supervisors so I had a supervisor my first year who I did not get along with and I had a better supervisor my second year my first supervisor is just like you this story shouldn't be fantasy why is this a fantasy story this isn't going to go anywhere and I'm like (laughs) this is the reason why I'm doing higher education and fantasy is to just 
stick it to you old farts who don't like, think <laughs> it's any good. And like, I would die on that hill. Like the story that I wrote, I would die on the hill that it needs to be a fantasy story. And that's what makes it a good, like a part of what makes it a good story. But there is another thing where in the same manuscript, I had two different professors tell me that you need to change the name of your main character. It's not a good <laughs> first name. And I'm like, but no, it's a great name. What are you talking about? And for two years, I fought to keep this character's name how it was. And then by the end, I'm like, nah, you're right. It was a shit name. I'm changing it. Like four hours before I submitted the dissertation. That's so funny to hear at such a high level. That was the issue they had with the story was the name. I don't think I've ever read a story in my issue being the name. I've had names I don't like. or I'm like, I don't like the name of the main character. I still like the story or whatever. But yeah. I don't think that's ever been an issue for me. It's interesting that that's something that like, you know, studied individuals were like, no, 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 this is what's going to kill your project. <laughs> they were, they could not get past it. They like, one of them saw the story in a very early iteration. Like the first time I started workshopping chapters of the story, he said when his first notes was, this is not a good name. And then I had my <laughs> dissertation supervisor where the story was at a much better place. He's like, I don't like this name. <laughs> Can I ask what the like, name is? Because like the listeners yeah. are like, what was the name? Bitch tips? Like what, what could be so bad? character that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily a bad name, but it was a bad name for the story. So the name of the character, it's a girl character. The name was Andy, right? So okay. Andro I wanted it to be a very androgynous name for some reason. Okay. I don't really remember why. And Andy was a nickname for Andrina, but nobody called her that. So her name was Andy. Right. And they're just like, it's too modern of a name. I don't like it. I think of Toy Story or something else. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, we need, a, we need a girl character named Andy. I knew a girl in high school named Andy. It's a girl. So it's fine. But my um, and I, I get the point that my second supervisor was trying to make is like you you say a name and you should automatically know, at least in books, because in, in real life, we can't really predict this. But in books, you can give uh, meaning to names. Mm -hmm. And I've known this my entire life, which is why. Well, not my entire life, but like my entire writing life, because I mean, I grew up with J.K. Rowling, who literally every single name in her book has some sort of weird Latinate origin or a unmeaning somewhere right. but the one time I didn't think about it is <laughs> the one time <laughs> that I should have thought about it so I ended up changing the name because it didn't like when you say the name Andy you can't think of what an Andy would look like I guess or like what her profession <laughs> is or what who she is as a person and like that's how my second advisor put it but and he gave me an example that I don't I could not tell you what that example is now but he he gave me like a name like what do you think of when I say this name and what do you picture what does this person look like and I think I said oh like blonde American and he's like that's exactly right that's who that character was she was in a book I wrote like 10 years ago I'm like oh okay <laughs> and and it's hard too because like they they're right like but it's also an opinion you know it's uh it is yeah it's what they but like you're you're partly you're in school you want to impress them you want them to like your project but also they've had success so you emulate that and then you look at someone who like george R. George R. R. martin who i'm not actually a fan of his books like i like mm -hmm. the adaptations of it but like his main character's name is ned like <laughs> that, oh, that's true that is so true and like that's like people's favorite character and like when you say the name ned i do not picture i know this is the again crossing the streams but i don't picture sean bean you know that's no. not who i see. <laughs> like i picture ned from ned's declassified you know on nickelodeon oh, sure. there you go so, so like it's not a hard and fast rule but i do also understand what they're saying i still want to revisit bitch tits though have you considered this name <laughs> 
I like you know, Andy too. About... I, maybe that says for how lowbrow I am, but I like the name Andy. I don't know. I like the name Andy too. I'm sure I'll use it eventually, but in the manuscript now, <laughs> it is completely changed to another somewhat pretentious name. <laughs> uh, blonde American, right? Somewhat pretentious uh, professors. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's hard because I think that was the, the problem I had when I was in the system writing stuff is I was writing stuff that they liked, but I didn't like Yeah, that's it. true. Yeah. Like, it was just yeah. something that I didn't want to read, so why am I writing it, you know? Yeah, that was my big problem in undergraduate, I think. Like, I, I got better at it, like, when I got further up into the more advanced classes. But yeah, in the beginning, like, I felt so disheartened, like, with the stories that my professors were telling me to write like oh no you need to write this way you need to learn things for the short story you need to do this this and this and I'm just like but I don't want to do any of that <laughs> but they still gave me good like stepping stones and they still taught me a lot but at the same time yeah I, I wasn't writing projects that I was proud of but when I got to my master's level I found my voice a lot more and I was more willing to argue with my professors and being like, no, this is how I want to do this. This is how I need to be. And my first uh, dissertation supervisor hated that. Uh, but my second supervisor was just like, okay, we'll channel that into something good then and stop thinking <laughs> about it. And I'm just like, oh, I hate you, but I love you. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. So be, like you saying like, like your genre is fantasy and like sometimes yeah. use YA and, but you went through all of this work and all of these teachings. Would you recommend somebody else would do that? If they wanted to be a fantasy writer, would you say, go to obviously not oxford but go to <laughs> go, go to the high level go get you know your masters go get your doctorate overseas would you say go through that system would you recommend it you have to have a very thick skin to go through it for sure if you think you have a thick enough skin and you love fantasy and you want to write it and nobody can convince you otherwise go for it if you do not have a thick skin get one and then do it <laughs> Because here's the thing, I think I want to flood the education system with fantasy writers. That's what I would <laughs> love to happen, because there are some really amazing fantasy out there, but there's a lot of shit fantasy out there. And unfortunately, the shit fantasy is what a lot of higher ups and higher education people focus on. They use it as like, this is not good. And this is why it's not good. And they're right. But there's also fantasy that's really good and that they're not teaching at that level. So I would love for people to just flood these institutions with fantasy and then be like, if this fantasy sucks, you need to tell me how to write good fantasy. <laughs> and like, that's that what they I want to happen. Did they put those tools in your toolbox? Because I think that's uh, always been a critique for me when it comes to schooling mm -hmm. on any art is they can teach you the mechanics, but mm -hmm. so often they can't teach you how to tell a story or to... Get, like create a piece of artwork that's still on you so i yeah. found that I, my money is better well spent somewhere else yeah, would you sure. say that they helped you with that though definitely i think so yeah i think that they have given me a, a tool set and a vocabulary and a an eye for research i guess like i'm a big i'm big into research now and i will find meaning in things that I didn't necessarily find before. But I think my core processes have remained the same. But the way I go about them is much more structured. And I think that's what I needed as right. a writer. And some don't need that. And that's completely valid. Some writers never go to any form of uh, any higher education at all. And that's completely fine. But I think I need that kind of structure and I also need to say a big fuck you to higher education when they tell me I can't write certain genres because that's very elitist 
Right. I mean, that's so, like that can be said for a lot of <laughs> a lot of the education system, no matter where you are in the world is oh, yeah, oh, for sure. I have the piece of paper. So I know better, which is true sometimes. Like, it's just like when I, when I think sciences, I think that's mm-hmm. true. When I think of artwork, I find that both are valid. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've seen great people that have come out of both. So it's hard to say there's one best way to do it. Do you think having that piece of paper, having those distinctions, having those accolades, do you think that's going to help you find your path into the the network, though? Do you think you're going to be able to find a literary agent easier because you went through that system? I like to hope so. I haven't, here's, I'm not a success story yet, so I really could not tell you what the path looks like. I like to think, right. so, you know, I, I like to think I've proven my, at least my passion for writing and my passion to to write well. For and sure. I think that's a big, a big thing too. Like you can't just write, you need to write well and being able to have a little bit of bragging, right? Saying, Hey, I have a master's degree in this. So even if you don't like this manuscript at this stage, like I can make it better. Like I can easily make it better. And I've gone through the steps to do that. So hopefully they're more open to working with me as a writer. Cause I'm sure like, I'm sure there are a lot of writers out there and I see it a lot with like, uh, I taught uh, a little bit. So in my, uh, the classes that I taught and the classes that I shadowed, I saw a lot of young writers not taking criticism very well. So I'm sure that <laughs> they get a lot of young writers who haven't like gone through certain like either educational systems or like friends group, writers group systems that just don't know how to take criticism. And they're very wary of people like that. So hopefully my accolades being like, no, I'll take criticism. I'll work with you. I will do the, I will do whatever you need to do, but I'll also fight for my story. And I, well, just I know like the people that I've encountered, they, they dig your, like, even though neither one of us have been like, we make millions of dollars or whatever. When I say I'm a writer, they're like, yeah, but Chardonnay's got a degree. like that's a thing that's come up especially like i i'm not like saying like in-laws or anything but like when i go to my (laughs) in-laws and they're like oh like you're not a writer shardy has a degree and i'm like i mean she does have a really good piece of paper (laughs) so like i think it helps in some some spaces for sure it does and it, it, it kind of like especially with people who aren't as familiar with artwork or art in general or writing in general like it kind of helps like justify like almost like ju- not necessarily justify your career choices but be like well I have this shiny piece of paper which proves that I'm a writer so <laughs> like that's you could just like wave it in their face even if you don't have anything like substantial published yet, be like, yeah, well, I have a shiny piece of paper and I went to school for like six years. What did you do? <laughs> do you Which ever is- throw in like, I went to school overseas too. Like it wasn't like some American college. Okay. I'm on job applications. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> in real life. No, not usually unless it comes up like, Oh, where'd you go to school? Like, Oh, I went to Kingston. Oh, where's Kingston? Oh, in London. Like, it definitely, I mean, I would make sure it comes up. I would, I, I would, that's the first line on my application. Like, oh, like Americans, <laughs> that would be the first thing I throw out. Just as an FYI, if you ever need help, like if you ever need help with the application process, make sure you put that first line. You can just lie too. We don't, Americans don't know any colleges in the UK. Like we, we're not. And like, yeah, aware. unless it's Oxford or Cambridge, they don't know shit. What's, what's Even those ones. I only know that because it's on my dictionary. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Or it was in, uh, what movie was it? What a Girl Wants with Amanda Bynes. She went to Oxford. People only remember that she kind of flashed the crowd in that movie. No one actually knows what actually happens in that. I do. Do I not know? In that movie, that was a different movie that she did that. But you can see where, like, general public knowledge goes. 
That's there was I'm one sure. with Channing Tatum, right? That's the one I'm thinking of. Same thing. It's Amanda Bynes. She was in like one movie yeah. repeated several times. That's true. One of which was a retelling of Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> was that the one that you were talking about? No, that's the one with Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's the whole cross-dressing thing. I remember that movie now. Now I remember why she flashed them. That's been done before. It's fine. It has. It has. It's fine. It, it's entertaining. <laughs> I can't really, you know, denounce people for that. Just like I can't denounce people. If you, if you like Tiger King, I don't care. Like, if it gives you, you didn't pleasure, like Tiger care. King? You pretentious son of a bitch. <laughs> thought it was entertaining, sure. But, like... What is it supposed to be? It's entertainment. What did you think it was supposed to be? I don't know. I just I watched it after all the hype, to be fair. I did watch it after all the hype, so I was kind of like predispositioned to not think it was the greatest thing on the planet. I just think that when like the big Tiger King hype happened, like it was the best thing ever. And I'm like, it can't be that good. And I watched it. Of course it's not that good. It's just people watched it at the same time and they were it's, talking about it. It's a documentary. It. Like it can't be that good because it's real. What's entertaining is those people existed. Like that's like those are caricatures that you would see in Mad Magazine, but they were yeah. real. They were real life people who bought mm -hmm. and sold tigers and got into like assassination conspiracies together. The the fun thing about it isn't that it's a great story. It's the best story ever told. It can't be the best story ever told because it's real. Like it's not made up. So that's mm -hmm. why like you get these like people are like oh my god it's the best thing i've ever seen because they don't pay attention to the world around them so they're like oh these stories happen again in if, if you were to write a comic book of tiger king which is a thing that exists there is a comic book of it now there because is. yeah there is it, it's a uh, it's not bad um but <laughs> it's not great either. um mm -hmm. but like it exists so <laughs> like you can do that in a story and go yeah because anything can happen but when that shit happens in real life there's something special about it and also there was nothing else to fucking watch on netflix at the time like so we're in quarantine <laughs> it was the best fucking thing because like what else are you gonna watch and everyone's talking about it and mm -hmm. you know fuck carol baskin like that's <laughs> the thing that i can say to anybody in my life it's like when thanos snapped his fingers like, there's just a touchstone yeah. now that I can have with my coworkers, even though we have nothing in common. I can yeah, say, it's a cultural Carol reference, Baskin. yeah, that brings us all together in this terrible time. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I get newspaper clippings from my mom about stuff that happens in my hometown, and every once in a while, a text message going, oh my god, did you hear that Carol Baskins is going to get re-indicted <laughs> about her husband's murder? I'm like, I didn't, but thanks, Ma. Like, <laughs> it's a conversation I can have. Just like Absolutely. how she knows who Thanos is. That, that's, that's just cool to me. So even if it's not that's the cool. best story ever. But it, it, it's a thing that exists and I appreciate it. And people get entertainment out of it. And I always appreciate, even on like a base level, I appreciate that people find solace and find entertainment, even in books like Twilight. Like if you if that's your thing, go for it. It gets you reading. Love it. It's just hard when like they're like, this is the best thing ever. I'm like, you need to read more stuff. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's when they're just like, this is the best thing I've ever read. I'm like, okay, now I'll argue with you. But like, if you're just getting entertainment out of it and you like it, I'm not going to argue with, because it's so like rudimentary. Like everybody likes different things. Like you can't argue with people's tastes, but it's when they start saying like, this is the best thing ever written. That's <laughs> when I will step in and be like, I have a master's degree to say otherwise. <laughs> is it ever frustrating to you when you see that's the touchstone for people so like if twilight is the best book they've ever read and they don't read a lot but now that shapes what they like as pop culture going forward that's their entertainment so things try to emulate that and that's where the new level of hype is that's that's what a 10 out of 10 is to people is twilight 
do you get frustrated knowing that it came from Vampire Diaries and that came from Anne Rice, you know, in yeah. the Vampire Chronicles? Like, you know, the lineage, you've done the study, do, you've yeah. read better books. And I don't like any of those, including Anne Rice, but like, I had, <laughs> like, there's a lineage there. So, does that frustrate you as someone who's educated in it and does think that like there are better stories out there? Like, that, that it it is, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating because I'm I'm always an advocate for just like just read more, and if you're not a reader, just consume more. Like even if like you are more, because I haven't really honestly been reading a whole lot recently because I just haven't had the concentration to do it. Like my mind is all over the place in quarantine, so like I consume many more movies and TV shows than I usually do. I'm much more like attached like to Tiger King than I was before apparently yeah <laughs> Tiger King was on that list a couple months ago and I have not rewatched it since <laughs> which I know people who have rewatched it and I'm just like why who rewatches but... the documentary anyway sorry back to your yeah, point don't talk to those sociopaths <laughs> but yeah it's just it it is frustrating to me because they just it just goes not to like get political or off topic, but it just kind of goes to show that a lot of people just live in their own bubbles and they're not willing to look outside those bubbles, even if it means just like reading a book that's not a Twilight copy. Right. And it's so frustrating. I have a friend. She's a very dear friend. So I met her in uh, London and we're still really good friends. She's a, D- she's a DM in a campaign, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I play in and we're very close. You better be careful what you say because your character is about to get axed. I mean, she's already going through a phase, so it's <laughs> she's already technically dead anyway. D and D, I D and D. So she, her taste in things like in entertainment baffles me. It just baffles me. She also has a master's degree. Her master's degree is in uh, psychology and behavioral sciences. So she's very into psychological horror. She loves zombie movies. She loves D&D. She loves fantasy. But she loves Twilight. And she will <laughs> die on her, like, headstone saying that Twilight is a great, like, love story or fiction-like series. And she will also die, like, saying that James Patterson is a great writer of YA books. And I'm like, oh, my God, please don't. Please don't. Please don't talk about James Patterson. Hey, he's got a master class, okay? How many master classes do you have? That's very true. You know what? He is very successful. He has a mansion. He lived next door to Jeffrey Epstein and funded the documentary on him on Netflix. He did. You know when he popped up on the documentary, I was like, the fuck like, James, James Patterson, Patterson here? Patterson is savage. Like, I respect him as a person after that documentary. I'm like, you know what? props to you man i'm not the biggest fan of your writing but props to you i just <laughs> didn't i just didn't understand what was happening because like i have it on the background i can't look at it because it's so yeah. like oh my god this is so sad so yeah. i can't look at it so i listened to it and then i heard and they're like <laughs> i heard this dude and i was like who the fuck is that and i look over it's james Patterson. i'm like why is this cut to james Patterson randomly <laughs> they don't they don't foreshadow it they don't mention that he no. funded it he's not in the goddamn credits opening up and they just cut no. to him like like nonchalantly like how they talk to the cops they're like yeah and also james Patterson. yeah if you pay attention to the credits he's like an executive producer i'm like the <laughs> fuck <laughs> like when the fuck did this happen uh but anyway <laughs> but anyway yeah so my friend is a huge like she loves ya novels she loves supernatural ya novels but not the good ones like there are really good supernatural ya ones novels and i will die on my my hill of saying that there are really great ones but she just she doesn't want to hear it and she also hates any comedy that isn't family guy i'm like <laughs> i love you but I can't understand what 
you get your comedic intake from. Because Family Guy is great in like clips for me. Like it's fine. I don't. I'm not super mad at it. Seth MacFarlane is fine. I don't care. But like I, I put on like Parks and Rec. She's like, this is boring. I don't like this. I'm like, excuse <laughs> me. I got her to watch Community though. I did get her to watch a little bit of Community just because there was Dungeons and Dragons in it. And I'm like, you know what's funny? Because like our tastes are so different. But it's uh, when it comes to TV, I feel like we have almost exactly the same taste. Other than oh, obviously sure. Tiger King, because I thought Apparently. that was very entertaining. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's so funny because like I remember I remember when Hamilton came out, I was like, you should listen to Hamilton. You're like, I will never listen to a Broadway musical that I cannot see. And I was like, that seems excessive. You're like, I know. And then you hung up the phone on me. And I was like, well, uh, we are two extremes of <laughs> two different, different <laughs> coins. But then when you come to TV, you're like, no, exactly. Yeah, that's a good show. And this one is not. <laughs> that's a good fucking show. <laughs> Which is terrible now because I have listened to Hamilton. <laughs> Do you, did you like it though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I okay. loved it. I think that my big problem, especially with Hamilton, was I knew I would never be able to afford it. So, right. like, I did it, really like it worth every day. You don't go see it. Somehow, it's gotten more expensive, and it's not even the original cast. Like, I don't understand. I know it was it was showing in London when I was there, and they had that same like lottery system. And I was always like, man, I really want to go. And one of my old roommates, she ended up going, and she doesn't even. It's like she likes musicals, but she doesn't like have my passion for musicals. <laughs> she doesn't have my background for musicals. She's like, Oh yeah, I saw Hamilton. It was really good. And I'm just like, You saw Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't yeah, I think I wasn't listened to it all the way through like a year ago. I don't know the songs very well still, but like I know of it and I think it's really great. And now it's on Disney Plus and I don't have Disney Plus. <laughs> you know what frustrated me about you can have my password for Disney Plus, that's fine. Uh, in case unless the disney snipers like shoot me for sharing it that's fine um but like the thing that was frustrating with me when i watched it is it's not the same recording as the album it's a different oh. recording it came way you later on actually changed, terry what the fuck were you expecting i i thought that well because they recorded a lot of the showings of it they just didn't put it out sure. they, they picked sure. this one instead later on but yeah. it was just frustrating because i'm like i've listened to that album a hundred different times so i'm yeah. getting ready for it. it's the same reason why i like the movie little shop of horrors but i won't mm -hmm. listen to the album or the broadway version because that's the version i know and there's little differences so it just ruins it for me so i got up and walked yeah, away yeah. halfway through and my wife's like what the fuck is wrong with you i thought you loved this you begged me to watch this i said i can't do it and i threw <laughs> it Oh but anyway, one of the most pretentious things I've ever heard you say, and I get, I get it. It's it's not even pretentious. I don't think it's bad. I still think it's amazing. I just couldn't. <laughs> my brain wasn't like this one yeah. sucks. It was just I'm used to hearing it one way, and I couldn't enjoy it. I still think it's good. I wasn't like, oh, this sucks now. God, Charday, call me pretentious, <laughs> you son of a bitch. I I have distinctions, okay. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, I have no distinction. <laughs> you ha you have distinctions where it counts. I I think the closest thing I have to a distinction was I have a framed version of the first letter I got that wasn't. It was still a a, a denial. It was still like no 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 we will never print this. But they gave me like positive feedback and some like editorial notes and like that yeah. I framed that. That's the closest thing I had to distinctions. I don't even keep the accepted ones. I just keep that first one because <laughs> it was what got the ball rolling in my in my uh. like head. So so listen, miss, I got a piece of paper that cost a lot of money and has furthered your career very far. I don't want to hear pretensions from you, okay? I have a master's degree that says otherwise. <laughs> I have every right to call people pretentious. I went to school in England. I know what pretentious is. 
<laughs> Every time you say you went to school in England, I just picture um, the woman from National Treasure who is like the librarian there. And, <laughs> and it, but she, it's it's funny because this is how my brain works. I picture her talking about mm-hmm. what's on the back of the independence, uh, <laughs> of independence, yeah. of independence. But then I see Evie from The Mummy and her saying, I am a librarian. That is what I hear every time you say that you have a master's degree. I want you to know that. Even though you're not British and you don't have an accent, that's what I see and hear mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't Just know wait until I accidentally like say some sort of British idiom and then you'll change your mind. <laughs> I don't think, you know, this is the first conversation I've had with you in a long time that you haven't done that. The last couple of times we've gotten together, you did do that. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I guess I, you did refer to the subway as the tube earlier. I did, but I mean, I, I feel like that's pretty well-known idiom, though. Oh, like, well, even, it's not even an idiom, because that's what they call it officially, so... Yeah, like, I mean, it is the underground, yeah. technically, but, like, I don't think I know one person, like, who says, I'm gonna go on the underground today, like, no, I'm gonna take the tube up to Nottingham, like... <laughs> right, it's like, they, they say that wrong, just like how everybody in England calls it football, even though it was called soccer first. No, oh my god. It was, though. It was. It was called soccer first. That's the official name for it. They call it football, and they get mad when we don't. But, like, the reason why we call our football... The entire rest of the world gets mad when you call it soccer, not just England. It's because they changed the name. You can't be mad at us because we're like, well, this is what you used to call it. So we called it that. Goddamn. It's like everyone gets mad at us for the way we talk. They talked like that before, too. They changed it later on. We're sorry. Are you? Are we? No, I don't care <laughs> at all. <laughs> but it's fun to pretend to get upset about stuff, isn't it? That's true. That's true. <laughs> just pretending to be just up in arms about something you legitimately do not give two shits about. It's just like, like it's so funny that you get like I, that you mentioned that it's frustrating to your friends. I accepted a long time ago that my tastes are not right. They are just my tastes. So like, while I also mm-hmm. have the same critiques of Twilight and people that read it, one of my favorite movies of all time is Face Off. Like, I am aware that that's not a good movie. I'm aware I didn't see good movies until I was in my 20s. But I also mm-hmm. think that Nicolas Cage and John Travolta are national treasures. <laughs> Pun intended. I mean, sure, sure. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, one of those things I had to accept a long time. Like, there are things that are objective about art. I will agree that there are just certain things that are like, well, this person is better than this person. That's just a thing that you can have. Met. But as a whole, it's subjective. You can like whatever you oh, want. Sure. People are going to, like, not like it. I can't yeah. be mad at Stephanie Meyer because she has way more success than I'll probably ever have as a writer. True. So, like, I can talk shit and say, like, she copied a novel that copied lots of other novels because that happened for sure 100 mm-hmm, percent mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. look up Anne rice and you will see but people who like twilight will pretend she doesn't exist um even though she's it's about to come full circle because she's having a blow up right now and she's getting like Cute. three different tv shows that are coming back based what? on uh, why yeah. have i not heard about this because uh, you probably don't like okay me and you both used to write for an entertainment site and i just never stopped reading all of the shit oh sure so like i just i i see it all every time like a new producer announces a project even though it'll never come to fruition like i get an email update for it oh <laughs> she's got two that are going to hulu and one that's going to netflix and oh, wow. uh yeah they'll probably never see the light of day but they're based on the later uh stories in the vampire chronicles i don't know if you've ever read any of them i don't recommend them but... i have read interview with the vampire but i haven't read vampire Lestat. that's or... the one that everyone's yeah. everyone's like read or heard of because it was the only good movie based on any of her stuff yeah 
and I would say the Interview with the Vampire is not a great movie, but it's fine. It's got Brad Pitt in it, so I'll watch it. Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, um, young Kirsten Dunst. You can't go wrong. And Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas, yeah. Although Antonio Banderas is the palest I've ever fucking seen. And I know he's a vampire. That's the thing. That's but the point, man, yeah. How did they make him so fucking pale? It's like a feat of CGI to make him that pale. But anyways, <laughs> so the later on in those books, they find out that being a vampire is actually a curse, but it's not a curse. It's actually a disease based on oh. these, these antibodies from space. So vampires oh. are an alien disease. But here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> They're uh, an alien disease that first made its way to Atlantis. So Atlantis is also real. So not only are they aliens, there's also Atlantis in these fucking books. And that's what these new series are going to shed some light on, because that's the part we were missing. Oh, yeah, that, that's what really needs to escalate this story <laughs> of all others, Atlantis. Take that, Twilight. But you, <laughs> you got werewolves, we got aliens. Aliens and possibly mermaids. <laughs> Oh, there's definitely mermaids. I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a thing that's also confirmed. Oh, oh, sorry. It wasn't just a it wasn't just disease. It was a ghost disease because it only happens once they die. Sorry. Sure, because that's a scientific thing that happened. Well, you know, just like aliens and and vampires. And well, first of aliens exist. Let's not even get into like aliens exist. That's just a fact. Of life. <laughs> but are they vampires? Are they vampires? Probably not. Aliens exist? Yes. And when they <laughs> die, not... they make a ghost disease that turns other things into vampires? Come on. According oh, to Anne Rice, that's exactly what happens. And it you is. Know what? When it you is. listen to her, she gave birth to Stephanie Meyer <laughs> from her womb. <laughs> Who was the dude that wrote Vampire Diaries? We can't we can't write him out of history either. It was a woman. Her name is L.J. Smith. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why I thought it was a dude. Maybe because of like all of the poorly written female characters. <laughs> I mean, probably it was pretty bad. I read all of the original Vampire Diaries books, and oh my god, they are so aggressively '90s and so aggressively stereotyped. It's ridiculous. I remember because Emily showed them to me. She's like, "Read this," and I'm like, "All right." And then we read them, and then by the time we were done, we're like, "That was all right." <laughs> for for those listening, Emily hosts. I show my wife stuff with me. That's my wife. And uh, she doesn't have great taste in things, <laughs> as evidenced by her <laughs> husband. <laughs> but I, I, she loves, uh, what was that Stephanie Meyer one, uh, that she did after the host? Oh, the host. The host. God. Mm-hmm. Awful. Awful. I just. That as is... bad as Twilight. To be fair, it's not as bad. I have I mean, read it. It's like saying I took a shit and you took a shit and yours smells better. Like, it's not. I <laughs> used poopery and that's what <laughs> the host is. <laughs> it's still awful but vampire diaries man it's it's easy to digest and that's the thing like i will go back and i will read stories in that same like subgenre just to like i don't know it's just like candy it's like you eat a shit ton of candy at once and it's it feels great you don't have to think a lot but then like two to three hours later, you're just on the toilet regretting everything that you've just done. <laughs> That's like when my mom talks about like all of her mystery novels that she buys at the grocery store. She's like, what? Oh it's $2 and they come out every week. It's like, fuck. <laughs> I made the mistake of buying like a dollar store vampire book once and I've never been the same since. <laughs> oh, and you never will be. <laughs> and I never will be. I'm just like, if I ever like if I in my writing career, if my book ends up at a dollar store, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> So here's one that a lot of people are fans of. I've read a lot of the books in the series. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I, I like them, but I also don't think they write female characters very well is the, the Jim Butcher series, uh, the Dresden Files. I am. Yeah. I, I haven't read them 
for a very long time, to be fair, because I usually just read them when they come out. And it's been like a hot minute since. Yeah, he's been doing his fantasy series more. Yeah, which I haven't read any of. But yeah, I read I read Jim Butcher in high school and into college. And I, I'm still a big fan of his writing style. But yeah, it's not the greatest representation of women. But, and by that, I mean, they're just very overly sexualized, except for like one of them. Kind but of. Even and she's kind like, of sexualized. I think my I, I I'd be fine with the over sexualized thing. Probably I'm a dude, so it doesn't bother me as much. But, yeah. I, you know, like I can relate as a human that I'm like, this yeah. isn't how people are. The The issue I have with it is he writes um, he writes men like like some men talk, but he writes women like he's never talked to one before in his entire life. Like they're like an alien species that just exists differently. Like he writes it like he's a '90s stand-up com- like comedian, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, like Seinfeld read a heard a book, <laughs> <laughs> and that is that's why I thought and the the reason why I brought up not I'm not trying to shit on Jim Butcher. I do actually like those novels. I've read a, a fuck ton of them. You're the one that recommended mm-hmm. them to me, actually. You and yep. a couple of my other friends. But the reason why I brought that up is when I read Vampire Diaries. I again I assumed it was written by a dude because the women are written the same way. <laughs> We're just like, oh, what's her purpose? Oh, she has tits. That's why. That's why she's here. Oh, oh, okay. Cool. (laughs) I think it was just, yeah, they were just written in, especially with the Vampire Diaries. I think it was just, it was a series that was uh, meant for young teenage girls. So they thought, oh, we put more girls in this series. We don't write them well, but they're there. Look, look at that. (laughs) There are girls in this book. Read, women. Read. You're just like, what the fuck? So the final thing, and the, like, because we, we're going a little bit long, but I gotta know, because like, you, yeah. you've studied, you've done the research. Why the hell did Twilight blow up and Vampire Diaries didn't? Because if if you don't know, like, I keep joking about it, but they are this exact same story. Like, Twilight is one for one Vampire Diaries until eventually they add more werewolves than Vampire Diaries has. Yeah. So why did that one blow up and the other ones didn't? I think that it has to do and bear with me because i'm i'm gonna sound biased when i say this i think it's because of harry potter i think it is because of harry potter because there's been a lot of research done that essentially points to harry potter being the catalyst for this ya fiction phenomenon that we're still going through because we grew up with the books we started as children and by the end they were technically considered ya books by the time they finished in like 2006 2007 right and then by that time the world needed a new uh, book for the Harry Potter generation, for the people who grew up reading these books. And by the time the last Harry Potter book came out, I think, what, we were like 13, 14 at the time. Right. So, so what I you're saying is, is we got horny. So they we, yeah. also, Harry so Potter, like... yeah, Harry Potter had no sex in it. We were all horny. We needed a new book. And <laughs> Twilight came along around that time and I think it was just the right I think honestly Stephanie Meyer was in the right place at the right time I don't think there's anything exceptional about Twilight except it's a love story that's supernatural that really like started out I just think it was the right place at the right time with the right publisher I think it was like a a combination of luck and also the Harry Potter generation was horny as fuck and we needed something to bring (laughs) that's my that's my theory i don't know if it's proven but that's my theory i don't dude i don't know but that makes so much sense to me that's what i am running with from now on i think that's the best note we can end on is (laughs) we were all so horny after harry potter that twilight happened i'll be on that that'll be on the book sleeve of my first published novel (laughs) i wonder 
I wonder if that's where all of like the purge type stories came from is everyone who read hunger games then got horny and now they're just like now everyone's fucking and killing each other that's really interesting there's a line here that i think we'll need to pick up and talk about later on because i now i now my now my brain is there it shouldn't be this is a very strange line of thoughts but uh it's there now, now. I, yeah now i need to write a research proposal for my phd based on this <laughs> <laughs> please send it to me and if you're willing i would love to read your dissertation i know you will never send it but i want to put it out there i mean you never know you may catch me on a good day and be like you know what i need to read and i'll be like all right and i'll just send you just this ginormous pdf i i'm super excited because you have like i love when when other shit happens in the world like you said like pamphlets weird stuff like yeah. that's why I, I still play games like skyrim even though i don't like that world or that story i love that i can just open up a book in that world and like all right what mm-hmm. they write yeah, so, and like, my that's critical the essay was about video games, and I essentially went on like a giant, like two-page, like geek fest about look at all these narrative video games, and they exist, and they gave me inspiration, and then they gave me distinction for essentially <laughs> geeking <laughs> out about video games. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And it was totally worth never being able to afford anything ever again because of student loans. Oh, absolutely. Yep, I am. Swimming in debt, the government will never forgive it during this pandemic. Thanks. (laughs) Well, on that note, I know, again, you're a corporate worker, so I will never put your last name out there. But do you want to plug anything per chance? Um, I don't I don't have any projects. Uh, Read more books. Read more. (laughs) But which books? Because you like you said, you have some pretensions. So like what what books should they read? uh read whatever the fuck you want uh, <laughs> but whatever, the fuck, whatever makes you happy but just don't if you're gonna <laughs> say that it's the best <laughs> book ever written you gotta have citations and you need to write me a 10 page essay on my desk by monday <laughs> that makes <laughs> you think of the guy from parks and rec who is like twilight it works for everything <laughs> oh my fuck <laughs> <laughs> like the dad that just yeah. wanted the time cap <laughs> fucking twilight in the time cap uh uh you have a good opinion on that that's one thing i will 100 percent agree with you across the board is you can like whatever you like but like maybe try other stuff too just in case just you know palette for things you know just like dip your toes into other areas i don't know how to say that eloquently i'm no, a writer, that is perfect like y- y- listen like you said you're a writer you're not a talker <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I don't have to edit out anything. You didn't mention anybody who's done Ill- illegal activities. Um, oh, wow. Yay. You know, no one really mentions any. Like, I don't have people on that say anything homophobic or racist. That's just kind of That's a rule good. of mine. You know, weird. You know, weird in today's weird. climate. Weird. <laughs> wow. Uh, but I do. A lot of times people will mention someone and they go, oh, man, uh, they could still go to jail for that. Make sure you edit that out. So thank you for not Ooh. mentioning anything that is before the statute of limitations. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Or maybe just the friends that I know are just really good at hiding their crimes, so I don't need to like podcast. The episode before you I recorded was with uh, a friend of mine who was a drug dealer in high school. So uh, that might just be the Oh well there you go. I mean that's what you get when you interview a former drug dealer, Terry. (laughs) That's what you get when you listen to persons of no consequence, guys. Thank you so much for listening and Charday for attending and speaking to me, even though you're a much better person than I am. Um, you have the paper exactly. It, it says it. Paper. You know, Oxford says that you're a much more British person <laughs> than me, which is just better, right? Totally. 
<laughs> and if you like this, you can check out all of our other podcasts on Can't Be Killed Creations. We have stuff for nostalgia. If you like the 90s, you can go listen to Right in the Feels. You can listen to me talk about shitting my pants or getting arrested over on Can't Be Killed uh, Confessions. Sharday, I really recommend that to you. And if you want to tell some stories about you shitting your pants, you can come tell those if you want. Funny. Uh, you can listen to me talk to significantly less educated people on aiming for mediocrity every friday and if you want to get into more of my writing you can check out some of my web comics over there we have d and do this which is just about people who play D D very poorly and some other ones coming out in the future um shardy doesn't have anything else to plug so you know go read twilight it's great she says so yep totally (laughs) my paper says so All right, Charlie, thank you so much. I got to go call more of your friends that you went to high school with and who will pity me and take this call. Good luck. (laughs) Thanks, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. You could just throw in a good word for me, right? You could just say, like, hey, like, talk to Terry. Mm, I'll think about it. You bastard. I'm hanging up. (laughs) Bye. Bye.